Hi, this is John with Prodigal Church. We're so glad that you've downloaded this week's message. Our online ministry has enabled people from all over the world to access our weekly teachings. We're so grateful for you, whoever you are and wherever you are. For all things Prodigal, download the Prodigal app at your app store. And if you consider Prodigal Church your home, would you consider donating monthly at our website, prodigalchurchfresno.com. Thanks again for listening online. Now let's dive right into this week's teaching. Today we start a brand new sermon series called Summer of Love. We're going to be walking through the book of 1 John together, and this book is all about love. Uh, It's a short five-chapter book near the back of the Bible, and we don't want to just read it or study about love. Uh, We want to have practical opportunities for us to love our community and our world, to do love, to show love. There are 771 million people who lack basic access to clean and safe drinking water. And so during this Summer of Love series, we're going to be raising money to help build wells where people don't have access to clean water. And as you came into church today, you were, uh, maybe you saw these water bottles. And as you leave church today, grab one or two, uh, fill it with cash or checks or coins. Um, Over the next several weeks, you can decorate it as a family, bring it back on July 24th, and every penny that goes in these bottles over the next three or four weeks is going to help bring clean drinking water to millions of families who don't have access to it. Now, if you're not in attendance at church this weekend, you can still use any bottle. Um, You can bring it back any Sunday, use a soda bottle, a two liter bottle, Gatorade bottle, whatever. But we want our study of the Bible to lead us to greater love in the world. And building wells so that people can have access to clean water is a beautiful way. You can also just give straight to this cause at prodigalchurchfresno.com. Hit give and then use the missions tab um, once you're in the giving site. Um, Thanks so much. Uh, We're excited to be able to bless the world over this summer of love. And now 1 John says this in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. In the original Greek text, of this prologue in 1 John verses one through four, it makes up one single sentence, okay? This is a huge run-on sentence, and it's really awkward in Greek, and a literal translation word for word in English is probably impossible, but everything you learned in fourth grade grammar goes out the window here in 1 John chapter one. There is urgency here. John comes in flying. Okay, imagine I am your neighbor and I knock super fast on your door and you go to open the door and as soon as you open it, just even just a tiny bit, I'm already in the house, okay? That's what kind of friends we are, like Kramer and Seinfeld. I'm in the house and I say, oh my gosh, you never gonna believe what just happened. I'm sweating just even thinking about it, okay? I was at Doghouse Grill, 168 in Shaw, and I'm walking back to my car because I have to walk super far away because there's no parking ever at Doghouse Grill, so I'm walking far away. It's across the street from the Jack in the Box right there, 168 in Shaw, and I'm sweating and I'm walking back and I get my 
car, I unlock my car, and I hear this familiar voice. And then I turn around, right before me, right there, right there in the middle of Fresno, there, in the flesh, the one, the only, you would be at the edge of your seat. You'd be like, tell me more. I wanna know more. Well, who was it? If I walked in with an urgent run-on sentence, your response, whatever it is, is it's gonna be tell me more. This letter begins with this same sense of urgency. What we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched, what we have proclaimed, it begins with this passion. So what is it John's excited about? Well, he's, he's excited about Jesus, okay? Uh, his gospel says that he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He has this deep, intimate connection with Jesus that maybe even some of the other disciples didn't quite have. He's excited about the life that we have in Jesus. And John here is speaking about this thing called eternal life. And I know that as soon as I say the words eternal life, our mind automatically goes to the pearly gates, the streets of gold, heaven when we die. And I just want us just for a moment to suspend that thought. When I say eternal life, don't just go straight to the pearly gates. Because the eternal life mentioned throughout John's writings may not mean what we think it means. Or at least it doesn't only mean what we think it means. John writes this in his gospel, John 12, 25. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, in English, we only have one word for life, okay? Life. In Greek, there are two, actually three. Um, but here in John 12, we have two versions of it. Um, we have suke and zoe, okay? Suke life is bound by time and space. It's the kind of life that we experience here on earth, up and down, happy, sad, good, bad. It's just life in general, suke. And then there's zoe. And here it's, it's ionis zoe, uh, life eternal. Zoe is the kind of life not bound by time. The kind of life that exists outside of time. The kind of life that is not bound by circumstances, by the ho-hum, every day, up, down. No, zoe life is different. And this is the kind of life that Jesus came to give us. The verse says, anyone who loves their life, suke, will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life, suke, in this world will keep it for eternal life. If you want something that will never end and isn't dependent upon the ebbs and flows of this world, you want zoe. John is saying that I want you to know that the kind of life that Jesus promises, the kind of Jesus life that we are called to live, the kind of life that brings about the right joy, it's here, it's now. It's not just when you die. Do you want that kind of life? John says it will require you to lose the suke. The suke is terrifying without the zoe. Most of us are asleep to the zoe and only see the suke. We need to make the distinction. And this is what John is so excited about, that there is a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness can come at a moment's whim. It's a temporary pleasant state of the mind that results from desirable things, circumstances, or surroundings. 
in a moment it can change to sadness and sorrow. We see this all the time with babies, right? I love babies, and many of you will come up to, to Prodigal Church and you're holding your baby, and I just go up and I you know I keep my safe distance and stuff, but I start I just I just my heart melts. And I start using baby voice, and I'm like, hi, hey little man. Oh my goodness, you're so precious. Welcome to Prodigal Church. Love God, love people. And then, like in a moment's notice, they're happy. I'm gonna get the baby to smile. You're gonna smile, you're gonna smile for me. Yes, you are. And then um, my energy is is a lot, right? Like, uh, it, it's probably a lot seeming that they probably came from a nap in the car on the way over here. They're just waking up and here's this stranger with a lot of energy talking to them and they start to cry. They start, their lips start to, to flutter and pucker and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And they're like, oh, it's okay. You guys are always so sweet and gracious about it. I realize that in a moment it can change. Well, that's, that's suke. You may see a roll of $100 bills lying on the street, and then you are so happy. But as you pick them up, you realize it's Monopoly money. Right. Now you're sad. You may be driving down the street in your new sports car, thrilled at the way it handles the curves, and then red lights appear behind you. Suke, up, down. Life in general. Nothing innately bad at all about it. It's just what suke is. It's up and it's down. That is happiness. Zoe is the abundant life, the eternal life. Happiness is a state of mind. Joy is a state of spirit. Humanity is in pursuit of joy, but it's only finding happiness. Humanity is in search for Zoe, but all they find Isuke. Joy does not come from by direct pursuit of it. It's a byproduct of our connection to our maker. How does this play out in our lives? Well, when I was a kid, I had a hole in my heart. It was a happy meal sized hole within my heart. And that was the only thing that could quench it. And it wasn't the burger, it wasn't the fries, it wasn't the little shot glass of soda that they gave us. It was always all about the toy. The toy. I, I remember getting Muppet Babies, had to collect them all. Uh, I remember another popular toy there that looks like a burger. Oh no, it's not a burger, it's a phenomenal plastic toy, okay? My soul was weary and parched in a land with no water and the Happy Meal was my only drink. I remember begging my mom, I need that. I felt like I needed that Happy Meal. And the problem with that Happy Meal is that it always wears off, right? You never hear a kid say, I remember that Happy Meal that I had last month, man, that was great. That was, it was just really, really satisfying what joy I constantly found in that. No, when you get older, you often don't get smarter. Your Happy Meals just become more expensive. If I could just get that. If I could just have him or have her or have this amount, they're happy meals. Does this ring true for anybody? They're temporary. They won't last. They will not bring you lasting joy. We're all searching for Zoe and settling for Suke. C.S. Lewis writes this, a car is made to run on petrol and it would not run properly on anything else. 
Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. If we are not experiencing the kind of joy that is ours in Jesus, there are two reasons. One, we're not practicing our faith correctly or two, we're practicing our faith correctly but our faith itself is not conducive to joy. I think it's the former, not the latter. Verse five says this, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Uh, I've gotten getting flashbacks to DC Talks, right? Uh, I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heaven. Came, this comes straight from the book of 1 John. We are invited to walk in the light. And it is the nature of light to make things visible. Uh, it makes things visible that you previously couldn't see. It makes us see others. A while back, I was at a restaurant called Tahoe Joe's here in town, and I was with some friends, and I got caught looking up at the ceiling. The ceiling had like these sound dampening tiles all throughout it, and I was just I was kind of amazed by it. So I'm looking up at the ceiling, telling everybody at the table about the sound dampening tiles that are on the roof. Meanwhile, a waiter comes up and asks, would you like some more Dr. Pepper, sir? And of course, the answer is always yes. And um, I'm still uh, staring at the ceilings. No one's really even listening to me. And then the waiter says, can I get anybody anything else? And then I said, um, I would like some more Dr. Pepper, please. And I'm still looking up above. And not only had he already filled up my Dr. Pepper, but he wasn't even talking to me. And everyone at the table is just like, John, pay attention. Are you dumb? And the answer is yes, I, I was dumb. Because to me, this waiter was an afterthought. Uh, could have been a robot and it would have been just the same to me. I never even looked at them as a person. I often catch myself doing this. I saw him as an afterthought. I saw him as a job or a service. And we often perceive lots of people, but we don't see anyone. Light and love says, look, see them. They're beautiful. They're made in the image of God. Love brings everyone into existence. That's love. That's light. Everyone matters. Everyone has ultimate worth. So the teller at the bank isn't just a means to an end. It's not just a transaction for you to withdraw from your account. She has unsurpassable worth. She is a daughter of the king. God is intently in love with that person. So that person you can't stand at work, who you think lives just to drive you crazy. Jesus died for that person. They're not just an inconvenience. No, they're a person that God loves. Those people on the TV that you disagree with, they're not just simply evil, unthinking people, problems in the world. They are precious creations of God, and Jesus loves them. And so should we. Listen, we're going to be doing lots of great things for the summer of 
love, the summer of 2022. We're gonna do Waters for Wells. We're gonna be showing um, love uh, by serving our community at our VBS coming up really soon. We're gonna be building micro homes for the homeless at the end of July. All of these are great, but perhaps the greatest thing that you take from the summer of love is that you actually see the people around you. You notice them, you're aware of them. They don't exist to provide you a service. They are beautiful and made in the image of God. That will likely be the most powerful thing we grasp from the summer of love. Us being awakened to that which is itself transformative, seeing others. Verse eight, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Greek word here for confess doesn't mean just to say out loud. It's the word homologio. And it means to say the same thing as another, to agree with, to assent, to concede. Same say, to say the same thing about my sins and failures and struggles, the way I missed the mark, to say the same thing about them as God, to agree with God about them. And I remember reading this verse about needing to confess. And I remember praying, Lord, I confess all my sins. May they be gone in Jesus' name. Now I'm free. Is that what the Bible means when it says confess? I read of a college student who left for school and his mom, who had always done the laundry, made a canvas duffel bag for him. And she said, put your dirty clothes in it every night. And at the end of the week, wash them at the laundromat. Seven days later, he took his dirty clothes to the laundromat. And to save some time, he threw the whole duffel bag inside the machine. And it went kerplunk, 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 kerplunk. A pretty co-ed approached him with a grin. It said, I saw you load the washer. It might be helpful and the clothes would get cleaner that if you took them out one by one and placed them in there. Is your confession to God like that laundry bag? Dear God, forgive me of all my sins. There you go. That is about as effective as throwing the duffel bag in the washer. Each sin, each way we miss the mark in our relationships and in our world deserves individual attention. Now, God is not mad. He never wants to rub it in. He's not wanting to guilt or shame you. That is not his nature. His nature is love, and we'll discover that in 1 John chapter 4 in a few weeks. God is love. But there is something healing about getting honest with God about our selfishness and the ways in which we miss the mark. There is beauty and freedom that comes from confession. Not so that we can be punished, but so that we can be love. That we can be love in a greater way to our spouse, to our kids, to our family, to our friends, to our church, to our community, and to our world. Anne Lamott once said, I do not understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are and doesn't leave us where it found us. Christians are not sinless, but hear this, but we should sin less. 
It is a journey of us becoming more Christ-like. It's not something we beat ourselves up over or feel shame or guilt. Um, no, 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 we run to the cross and ask for forgiveness, uh, not so that God can punish us, but so that God can heal us, can woo us again with his great love, that we too may be forces of love in our world. You know those moments when you are in a class and the teacher is giving all sorts of information and then the teacher kind of sits up in their desk or they're on a stool and they kind of lean in. And now they're not going to teach, they're, they're gonna say something that exposes why they teach. Their countenance change, their voice changes, their posture changes, and I'd venture to say so does their heart. This is what is happening with this first section in 1 John. In chapter two, John leans in. And in preparation for this sermon this week, in many ways this was my least favorite section. Now it's my favorite. Let's read 1 John 2, 12 through 14. I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I've written to you who are strong in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle over the evil one. Did you notice the repetition there? John is not writing this letter to early Christians to guilt and shame them. Here, he tells us why he's writing it. He is writing to tell them that their sins are forgiven. The Greek word there is to, to send away, a theomy, to send away our sins. Not to hold them over our head, no, to send them away. He is writing to tell them that they are strong. He is writing to tell them that they have overcome the evil one. The word here for overcome in Greek is the word Nike. Okay, I've heard that somewhere. And the, evil, and the evil one isn't just Satan, but rather a representative of all things that are against us. So let's just, let's, let's condense this. Let's condense these, these three verses, this re repetitious heart that John shows for his audience. Your sins are forgiven. They are sent away. You are strong. You have overcome the evil one. Now, do you think that anybody in John's first audience, in first century Asia Minor and Palestine, do you think anyone who received this letter felt weak and needed to hear that they are strong? The answer is, of course, yes. Is there anybody today that feels weak but needs to hear that they're strong how many of you have ever thought, whatever battle I'm in right now, I'm losing? Yeah, you have overcome the evil one. You are strong. I, I have, I am. It doesn't feel like I've overcome the evil one. There's this movie called Blood Diamond, Leo DiCaprio. It's about a family in an African village and the rebel soldiers 
take a young boy to their camp and they turn him into a child soldier. They tell him that he is violent and they teach him how to kill. They give him a gun. This young, beautiful, innocent boy is corrupted by these soldiers who trained him to be a killing machine. And the father sets out to find his son. And so the movie is this father searching for his lost son. The whole time he's searching and overcoming obstacles along the way, the boy is getting more and more corrupted. The child is hearing these messages again and again, how he is a bad boy. And at the end of the movie, the father and Leo meet and they find the boy. And the son has a gun. Check out this clip. Dia, what are you doing? Dia, young bae, young bae, what are you doing? Bela Diavanti of the Proud Mende tribe. You are a good boy who loves soccer and school. Your mother loves you so much. She waits by the fire making plantains and red palm oil stew with your sister Nyanda. And the new baby. Cows wait for you. And Babu, the wild dog who wants no one but you. Hmm? I know they made you do bad things, but you're not a bad boy. I am your father, who loves you. And you will come home with me and be my son again. given countless messages about who we are. The gospel comes in and declares us who we truly are. Regardless of how you feel, this is who you are in Jesus. Fill in your name. Whatever your name is, say it now. Your sins are forgiven. They are sent away. You know God. You are strong. The Word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. The good news is this disruptive announcement of who you really are. Not who the world says you are or who you think you are, but who you truly are. I assume there are days when you don't feel like you've overcome the evil one. I would say it like this. Some things are true, even when we are 100% convinced that they're not true. Your sins are sent away. You are strong. You have overcome the evil one. 
You shine the light of Jesus. It may not feel true, but it is true. And sometimes the job is just to receive what is actually true about you. And maybe that's your call now. Just receive now what is true about you. You are God's child, his son, his daughter. Your sins have been forgiven. They're sent away. You are strong. You have overcome. God, I pray that we would live out this reality. God, we thank you that as we confess our sins, you are faithful and just. You cleanse us and you move us out of our own selfishness into a selflessness into our world. We need you, Jesus. We love you in your name. Amen. We want to thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. Um, we want to encourage you to be love in our world by helping us build wells and give water to the countless people in our world who don't have access to clean water. We believe this is a gospel cause. This is God's heart for um, our world. And so we want to partner with him. And so you can do this online or you can bring it back in the next several weeks at Prodigal Church here in Fresno. We hope you guys have an amazing week. Peace in Ukraine.